Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, Rye. Welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast with Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk about roadblocks. You know those security checkpoints, the ones you come up on and you don't expect? Well, I'm not talking about just here in America. I'm talking about maybe in America after the apocalypse, rogue gangs setting up checkpoints. Oh yeah, not just the TSA, not just the police. What about crazy governments? Really, whenever you go outside the country you run the possibility of running into random checkpoints. Turns out not everybody has the same kind of freedoms that we do. And I'm talking about long lines, armed guards, metal detectors, maybe Mm. not metal detectors, maybe two trucks parked in the road blocking a bridge, x-ray machines, pat-downs, forced searches. Americans have been accustomed lately. We've been kind of conditioned kind of get used to this kind of thing you know we have metal detectors in our kids schools we have you know the tsa you know we don't think twice when they uh grope your boobs you're like look just don't call me in for that secondary inspection and you know make me drop my pants and i'll let you grab whatever you want to grab we'll yeah, call I got it the good secondary, uh, you know about the secondary yeah. oh no that that's not anything i want any part of but uh Yeah, that's how it works, you know. The courts routinely say that, you know, it's constitutional, and I don't see how, you know, the lower levels. And it just keeps happening over and over again, and we keep letting them take a little bit more and a little bit more. And basically, I don't know, whenever I read a lot of these uh, prepper survival books, the different things, it's funny, none of them. I went and checked when I was researching this episode. I looked at, you know, the SAS manual. I looked at uh, 
um, I don't know, a hundred ways to, to be lethal and you know, all these different books. I don't know. I have a bunch in there. I can't even name any of them. I don't uh-huh. know what they are. I have a uh, seal, you know, seal survival and, you know, all these different manuals and none of them had anything on negotiating a checkpoint. And I got to say, anybody who's been over to Iraq or Afghanistan, checkpoints are real. It's all checkpoints. They're, you know, all the time. Good guys, bad guys, local tribes, all kinds of people setting up checkpoints. And you can come across these things. And honestly, you should maybe give some thought on how you're going to deal with it. The how number you... one answer on, on those sorts of things I, I saw, tell them you're a journalist. Yeah, they like journalists. They like journalists, apparently. I'll put your picture on Time Magazine, <laughs> motherfucker. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing, though, is you need to, uh, you know, understand this and just realize it's a possibility and think about it beforehand. Because I got to tell you, all these books I read, anything I ever see about kind of when the government collapses, when the, the law goes away, basically people make their own law. And you know what? They want to protect their families. They want to protect their community. And some of them just want to get food to survive. But what they do is they look for the main thoroughfares and they set up and they stop people. And they say, hey, where are you going? Are you going to be a problem for my family and my friends? Or maybe, hey, you got stuff. I need stuff. Let me take it from you. But you have to figure out in the spur of the moment, which one is it? You know, who is this guy? Is this a nice guy just taking care of his own? Or is this somebody I should shoot in the head before I even get there? These are all real things. Um, And then there's the regular checkpoints we face in America. You know, more and more you got your DWI checkpoints, your TSA checkpoint to get into the airport, all these things. How do you do it? How do you get through? What are the tactics to get you through without trouble? Well, I think the best way to approach this is kind of really understand what goes on at a checkpoint and, and what, what a checkpoint is. And I think the best way to get into that, Kevin had some notes on uh, how to set up a checkpoint. Yeah. You want to get into that? But let's do that. And maybe I'll add some things at the end of, uh, you know, what else you might expect at a checkpoint. All right. Well, first thing when you're, uh, setting up a checkpoint location. Okay. You know, obviously you get to pick where you set up your checkpoint. So, you know, choose the the right area. Um, You may want your location to be hidden so that by the time people get right up to you, it's too late for them to turn around without being noticed. Um, But you want to be able to see them coming before they see you. Right. Um, You have to have complete control of the environment when you're doing a checkpoint. You know, you don't want to get caught with your pants down. Usually when police set up a checkpoint, what they do is they have it where you're basically going to kind of come around a turn Mm -hmm. or come into something where there's no point where you can turn off once you see it. Right. You kind of have to make a U-turn right there in your road, and that's something you want to do when you're setting up a checkpoint. Right. You want to make it. You know, that it's it's a place in the road. One, <clears throat> you want a good choke point that they're not going to be able to run past you. Mm-hmm. But you also are looking for something where, oh, crap, you know, now I'm, I'm already there. I'm already up on you by the time I see you and realize what's going on. 
Right, right. Now, definitely you want your checkpoint to be uh, well fortified. Um, you don't want somebody with a flatbed truck coming just plowing through it. So you're definitely going to have to have some sort of a barrier, um, you know, whether it's uh, vehicles, uh, concrete road barriers. You, you know, you want to have something that's going to stop whatever it is that's coming through. You know, don't park a Ford Focus across the street and expect it to, uh, to hold everybody back. Okay. But you can – I've seen checkpoints set up with just uh, cones and sawhorses, and as long as people aren't being crazy – it's not a problem. People are going to stop because they don't want to, you know, they don't want to dent up their car. But uh, certain situations, that's not really an issue to anybody. No. Um, but what, what does it take with a guy with an axe? You can't fell a tree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drop a tree. You know? Mm-hmm. You can have a, a tractor trailer parked across the road and just back it up 10 feet and let people pass. You just shoot the first couple of people driving up. And then you've got And your then you got some cars. Uh-huh. You create a little traffic jam yeah. right there. And even when somebody you are allowing somebody to pass, you want it to be difficult. You know, you want it to be an obstacle course that's right. going to slow them down. Right. You know, a lot of them that I've seen in uh, yeah, they have to zigzag overseas. They to zig- get yeah, they it. have the barriers zigzagged, so you have to zigzag back and forth. A lot of them, the way they set it up is you'll have two vehicles head on, and they'll be able to back one up. Mm-hmm. But again, you still want it to be staggered. That nobody can just drive through at any point. Right. You know, racing through, they Mm got to kind of stop and really negotiate a turn to get out if it's at all possible. Yeah, I was watching a video on YouTube about a a roadblock. Somebody had just randomly set one up in the middle of the street, and it was a dash cam. You know, you're following this guy down the street, and there's a truck parked across one lane, and there's two cones. And so the guy slows down, and somebody comes running up to his car, so he just stopped on the gas. Obviously, that was just some random, probably some random uh, asshole. But, um, you know, in situations like that, that's the best option. If you can drive past and all you got to worry about is rubber cones, drive through it. You know, if there's a guy with a construction vest and a sign that says stop, you know, probably not best to just (laughs) take off through the cones. Probably not your best move. Uh Now, would our lawyer have anything to say about the advice that you're giving right now? I would consult your lawyer at home before you do any of these things. All right. I just wanted to get that on the record. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Lighting. You want to set up your lighting so that it's uh, a distraction to the people approaching the checkpoint. So those lights are facing forward. Facing them. Right. But you don't want, you know, you want to be able to see what you're looking at, obviously. Right. See what's coming down the street. Um, so I can use my 10,000 candle power. Yep. yep. Nice. Uh, all right. So let's talk about fortifying your checkpoint. All right. Um, you can use anything from concrete barriers to vehicles to block the road, but it must be able to stop any vehicle that approaches. Uh, roadblock isn't effective if you can simply drive around it. So you want to have, you know, the sides of the road covered. That's why it's really good to do it on a, a bridge or an overpass or even under an overpass where they have those concrete embankments, All right. you know, the, the abutments on either yep. side. Um, you can use barbed wire or um, the spike strips you know, to keep vehicles and, and people from trying to go around the edges of it. Um, uh, you want to have a fortified firing position. Now, you want a minimum of three people at a at a checkpoint. All right. You're going to have the person that's that's 
negotiating with the people in the vehicle. Okay. You're going to want a person that is covering it close close by, and you're going to want to have somebody set back either, you know, to the sides or, you know, behind the checkpoint itself that has a, a clear range of fire. But not only that, you also want to use that fortified location um, as a either uh, lookout, you know, for what's coming up, or a communication center that's communicating with the lookout. Um, and also communicating with, uh, you would want to have some sort of a backup. Um, I think what I, I, I saw, yeah, tell they, me. they called them was the um, ambush team. You know, you want somebody not not visible. I, I was just going to say that. I think the way I always imagine setting up a checkpoint, um, <clears throat> you know, basically like you're saying, a staggered, fortified, you know, barrier that's a choke point on the road that they can't just drive off in the grass, mm-hmm. you know, and drive around you. But also, whatever you have manned at the checkpoint, I imagine somewhere prior to the turn or whatever, mm-hmm. I want somebody else back there who's a lookout, but this same guy is also going to close the trap. Right. So once people pull in, I want to be able to put another vehicle across the road behind them. Right. And that's with that other guy. And he should have cover and, you know, that he can be shooting from and ready to, mm-hmm. you know, secure on the backside. Um, yeah, don't Sorry, forget. Uh, yeah, you threw me off a little bit. Um, when you're setting up, don't forget to uh, bring food and water uh, and have a place to piss, man, because after a couple of days, if you're just pissing willy nilly wherever you feel like it, it's going to be disgusting. I know one of the job sites we work at, there's a pretty standard spot where people are uh, urinating. And uh, then the guy's wife comes home and is like, oh, whenever I come over by the camper, it smells like piss. And we're like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. It must be that freaking groundhog. You've been seeing him hanging out over there. But that's it turns out. That might be some good advice you have there. Yeah. Um, Vehicles should be forced to slow down before they, they're approaching you. You All can right. do that with obstacles. You can do that with, um, um, you can do that even even with cones. If you if you narrow the lane down, people are going to okay. slow down if they only have a ten feet wide to, space to drive in. And believe it or not, cones are really effective. They are. I don't know what the reason is, Something but they see that in mind cone. that yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's um. Now, when you're at the checkpoint, you're manning the checkpoint, uh, always stay calm, always be polite to the people you're dealing with, um, always have backup, and always be in control of the situation. So, uh, I mean, this is, um, you know, we're talking about three people manning a checkpoint. You really want more than that if it's at all possible. Uh, Two people manning a checkpoint is just not going to be effective, you know. Any sort of curveball that comes your way, you're going to be... You're going to be up to your neck and shit. Well, um, it's, I think when you're looking in somebody's car window, you need somebody who has your back from the other side. Right. You need a guy while you're checking it out who's looking in and able to see, you know, what they're doing and what they're trying to hide from you. Mm-hmm. Now, do you want to talk about uh, searching cars? Yeah, let's get into that. What do you got? All right, um, so what you're going to want to do first is uh, make sure the engine's off and um, have everybody out of the car. Okay. 
Uh, check ID IDs, see if they're somebody that's supposed to be where they're supposed to be, or where they are or where they're going. All right, I like that. Um, had the vehicle operator and the passengers exit the vehicle, checking for weapons as they go. Um, and I think I kind of like get their story and then get their IDs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously you're the policeman, you're worried about time, you might want to grab their IDs and give them to your partner to go check things. But in the end of the world, when, you know, that stuff's kind of starting to fade away, get their story and then push them to produce an ID mm -hmm. and see what happens, see how things jive. You know, is that really his wife? Is that really his kid? You know, right. you'll be able to kind of catch him in the, mm -hmm. you know, let him dig a little bit. You know, if you don't have a computer to back up what the ID says, let them fill the story they want to fill and then... Then ask for the ID after. Ask for the ID and you can kind of get a better grasp on things. Mm -hmm. You're going to want to stand back and have the operator open the, the hood. I like the that. The trunk and the doors. You know, you're going to want to stand back because you don't know what's what's underneath the, you know. You know, a clever the, man the might trunk hide. The, yeah. You don't know a what's going to come out his, uh, from under there. Yeah. Um, I saw that in Road Warrior that one time. I don't know if you caught that. All right. So, uh, all right. Let's look under the hood. All right. What you're going to look for is extra wires that shouldn't be there. Oh. Uh, you're going to want to check the air filter. That apparently is a great spot for really contraband. Shit. Yeah. All right. Did not, didn't think about that until I started researching this. Um, going to check the trunk. What you want to do with the trunk, if it's full of shit, get it all out, man. Just yeah. take it all out. Put it Unload in the street. It. Don't be an asshole. Don't break people's shit. Just take it out. Look through it. What's under the suitcases? What's under the bags? Um, check the interior under the seats, glove box, center console. You know where to check, you know? Yeah. Go through the car thoroughly. See what Think you Think of where you hide stuff in your car. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, final last thing you want to do is check under the car. If you don't have a mirror, you're just going to have to get your ass down on the ground and look under there. I like and see those what's down inspection there. mirrors. That might mm -hmm. be something I have to throw in the shed. You know? Yeah, yeah. I haven't thought about that. So that's basically the uh, the rough gist of checking a car out. Now, another thing you might have picked up on a couple of our previous episodes. I can't stress enough. If you're going to be running a checkpoint, you're going to wish you had handheld radios. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I can't stress enough. They're going to be huge, you know, when you don't have law and order, um, the power goes down, anything Cell like that, not being able to communicate and cover distance is going to be a huge, otherwise you're going to have to work out some kind of signals you guys can send each other that you're going to be able to see. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I got as far as uh, running okay. a checkpoint. Do you want to talk about um, how to um, how to deal with a checkpoint when you come across one? That, that's that's my next step. So that's me. That's you. All right. So what I was thinking is initially, when you're traveling, um, ideally you're going to want to travel in two vehicles. Um, you know, if you're a group, and well, two or more. Mm -hmm. But basically, you're going to want the initial convoy up front you know one to three whatever vehicles and then you're going to need an additional vehicle that's going to hang back and they need to hang back fairly close enough that they can assist you if you run into trouble but back far enough that they're going to be able to 
not fall in the same trap that you do. Right. So typically you're going to want something like a quarter mile. Um, a quarter mile back, that way when you're traveling, and you know if you're a big enough party, you can be two parties. You know mm-hmm. You can be three in the front, three in the back, no problem, that's great. But you don't want everybody all together. I understand for security, it's kind of good. You know, nobody wants. But I got to tell you, if somebody surrounds you and starts ambushing you, it's nice to have that second vehicle come out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and be able to lay down additional fire. Um, You get boxed into a trap, they might be able to help you open that back door and get you out of there. Or they might be able to just get out of their vehicles and lay down enough cover fire to get you into the woods or do whatever to get you safe. So that's the initial not falling into the trap. Now, eventually there comes a time you may have to approach and deal with a checkpoint head on. You know, maybe the world hasn't really fallen apart that you're not, you know, ready to go shooting through anything you come across. Um, But also maybe you're just not that guy. You know, maybe they're good Christian folk and you just want to, you know, Go say, hey, look, we're just coming through. Maybe we can help you guys out. You know, whatever. But the bottom line, you're going to have to decide if these people are good or not. And you're going to have to get there. So I had a couple uh, ways that to approach it. Um, the first thing I got to tell you is you want to listen to what they say. You know what I mean? We're always anxious to you know, interrupt, disagree, or just kind of assess or get right to the questions that we want answered, you know, because we're nervous, we're on edge. Um, People don't listen. Mm -hmm. And you want to listen. This is going to both put them at ease because they're going to feel like they're in control. And it's going to help you get more information. You know, there's always time for questions when they stop talking, you know. Um you want to nod your head, um, just kind of acknowledge, yes, uh-huh, you know, yeah, I understand what you're saying. You know, kind of reassure them you're, you know, you're on board and you're complying. Because, again, you're not trying to escalate. I mean, I don't care if you're at the point where in 20 seconds I'm going to shoot this guy in the face. Right now, you need to be compliant. It's going to help you. It's going to get them a little bit more relaxed. It's going to keep reassuring them that they're in control. But you also want to be looking at, you know, their body language. Um, You want to see what's going on. Are these people uptight? Do they look like they're ready to kill me? You know, where am I at? Yeah. Um, Don't be in a rush because they got all day. Yeah, exactly. No, that's that's a great point. Um, You know, and hey, it's the end of the world, right? So, you know, whatever. So next, um, without being awkward, almost uh, repeat back the gist of what they just said to kind of acknowledge, you know, again, it's you're reassuring, Mm -hmm. you're, you know, affirming that, hey, you're in control and I just want to do what you're going to tell me. And even if you see, hey, these guys are boxing me into a trap right now, these guys, I'm not saying, you know, go along with everything. I'm saying go along until it's time to not go along. Mm-hmm. Um, inquire, ask questions, show them you've been paying attention. You know, let's, you know, let's keep going and, and kind of get you some answers. And maybe you can do it without, you know, ask open-ended questions. Let them, you know, you don't want yes, no. You want them to kind of open up. Um, you might say, uh, 
wow, this sounds really bad. You know, everything you got going on here, that big avalanche up ahead and whatever. Is there, uh, you know, anything we can do here to help? You know, is there kind of get a feel for things? Um, they have the, uh, you know, like they say, an effective pause when you're speaking to, you know, and kind of encouraging to kind of keep going, you know. Um, even eventually they say that the most emotionally overwrought subjects will find it difficult to sustain a like one-sided conversation, you know, and then they'll start talking, you know, and just keep, um, you know, little things to just encourage them and get them to open up. Um, that's, you know, that's what you want. You also want to be looking, you know, where are they looking? You know, watch their eyes. Mm -hmm. What are they looking for? What are they worried about? Um, that's always a big deal to, you know, kind of, Hey, what's going on? What's coming? Um, and just take it all in. Um, and basically if they're like, go, oh, you know, you need to go this way and we need you to head on down the road, to whatever, if you can get out of their sight and then take off another way or do something different, you know, you feel it out. You decide what's right. You know, mm. if they're like, Oh, the bridge blew up over there and you should go this way and it's a policeman and you see smoke coming from, you know, whatever, maybe you do go the other way. Right. You know, I mean, that's not, you got to kind of read it, but you also need to listen and pay attention and get a feel. And then if you did set it up the way I talked about, you know, maybe you're only your family, you know, maybe it's you and the wife and, and the kid and you're all in one car and whatever, that's no problem. But if you're not, if you got the convoy and you're traveling, tell them, say, hey, my buddies are coming up behind, you know, after you decide it's clear and everything's mm -hmm. good, give them a warning, show them your, you know, your friends and you're here to get along. Um, <clears throat> but when you're approaching that checkpoint and you see it, you know, you should be calling back to your second vehicle. Hey, you know, I'm approaching a checkpoint and if you don't hear from me in, you know, X amount of time, you need to, uh, approach or whatever you know like you can assess it with oh gosh there's a guy here with a 50 cal mounted in the back of a uh humvee and and there's 10 guys with machine guns and you're behind me in a pickup with two shotguns mm -hmm. they might just want to turn around you mm -hmm. know i mean it, it really depends how you want to approach that but there's there's other scenarios like um it may come to uh like bribes um a lot of these foreign countries, they're looking for some kind of payout, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, that sometimes is an issue. You had some stuff on that, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've heard quite a few stories about people traveling in, uh, you know, different countries, you know, humanitarian groups and things like that. And, uh, you know, a lot of countries, they expect bribes. You know, the United States, you try and bribe somebody, uh, it's probably not going to end well for you. Um, but if you are going to do it in the United States and the world hasn't collapsed yet, go big or go home, man. Come out with grand, thousands of dollars. Not Don't try and bribe a cop with 20 bucks. No, that doesn't work? No, man. Um, very few places uh, in the world that bribes are legal. Um, yes. But a lot of places in the world where they're expected. Right. Um, and that's actually one of the, the guides for that. Mm -hmm. One of the ways to tell that is actually in a place where the policemen and the law enforcement are no better off than the average peasants. Mm -hmm. When you kind of are in that world, then it might 
Yeah. You know, when when you have the riffraff and then you have the the Mm -hmm. upper echelon and the cops are a lot further up than the riffraff, that's probably not the way to go. Mm -hmm. But when the cops are kind of right there with the people, then that's a good signal that, hey, these guys might be uh, down for a bribe. Yeah. U.S. dollars are great in most of the world, um, but it's also good to have the local currency um, if you can. Yeah, as a general um, rule, you're not going to bribe the American cops no, on I your saw, way through. As, as a general rule. As a general rule, except uh, certain parts of New York State. Um, the uh, Let's see here. Oh, you know what I saw a lot when I was looking through this is if you're in Thailand, just keep 100 bucks of their, their currency in your pocket because that's the standard bribe for everything. Um, sometimes... Uh, sometimes Bribing with money isn't uh, as effective as, as bribing with, you know, different things. Cigarettes, alcohol, things like that are more valuable in some places. Okay. Um, some places, regular day-to-day interactions require bribes. So I'm talking about India, Thailand, Egypt, Russia, Philippines, South Africa, all of Africa. You know, that's uh, just standard operating procedure. Um they don't take bribes in China, but they do negotiate things. Now tell me so about you're not, that. You're not going to be bribing anybody in any Chinese officials. Okay. But you can negotiate. You can sometimes pay for your tickets right really? there on the spot. Well, there is um, maybe a way to do that. There are things like that, but don't try and bribe them. They actually, when I was a kid and we used to go to Canada, they uh, they didn't like that Americans were never paying their tickets. Mm-hmm. Turns out you get a ticket. You think, just, yeah, yeah whatever. I'm not coming back here. I'm not going back to Canada. So it used to be the policy. Again, this is 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It was 30 years ago when I last, you know. Yeah. But you used to have to pay on the spot. On the spot. And there's so certain it was places always, in the Midwest where it was the to, case. Yeah. You know, take you to jail kind mm-hmm. of thing. And you can arrange for it, you know. Um, now, if you're, tr- if you're hesitant and you're trying to... to feel out whether or not you can do a bribe like you don't unless they directly ask you for money it's hard to just say hey do you want money for this instead of uh you hassling me what you might do is is ask for some help ask for some directions and then offer to tip them for the uh you know the help that they've given you right they say uh it's best to never say this is all i have because mm-hmm. then you have nowhere to kind of go from there. Right. Now, they say a good approach to that is, I don't have much. Yeah. But and, I have... And you're not... Anytime you travel, uh, everybody knows this, but you don't want to keep all your money in the same spot. No. You know, you don't want to negotiate a $20 but bribe and you don't then pull wanna... out your wallet with hundreds of dollars Right. In it. Well, that's it. If you look like you're rich, they'll be spiteful and... Mm-hmm. Then, then all of a sudden, it's twenty bucks for every single person that's that's you know holding you there. Um, yeah, they say show the right amount of hesitation. Right, you can't usually bribe someone. Usually, you can't really bribe somebody to do something illegal, but you can bribe somebody to treat you fairly. Okay. Uh, so if you're approaching a checkpoint in in wherever you are, Ghana, wherever wherever it may be, and they're supposed to wave you through, but they know you have money. Greasing the wheels a little bit might help you get through. All right. uh, they're not gonna, you know, they're not gonna bend over backwards to to get your money from you, but you know they'll they'll do what they're supposed to do. Um, 
I've heard a lot of the time bribes are really just big tips. You know what I mean? Nothing wrong with a tip. You know, yeah. it's hot. They're out in the sun. They might need some money for some refreshments afterwards. Yeah. And usually the bribe really does just depend on how much money you're willing to give them. And, uh, you know, if you're you're too hesitant and you're coming out with uh, counting up your singles in your change drawer, um, you know, they're, they're not going to let that slide. You know, so come out, come out with the real money with the first with the bribe. You know what I mean? Uh, if you're making a bribe, make a bribe. You know, and uh, that's really all I got about about bribing people. No, uh, I very rarely had to do it, and I don't think I've ever bribed anybody except for a bartender in the United States. Why are you bar- bribing bartenders? You order it's a drink, you I give them ask. forty bucks, and then they make sure that every time you come up, they're they're pouring you the next drink. That's the way to do it around That's at the bars, trick. man. Yeah. Tip big on the first drink. Nice. Then they'll remember you. All right. I like it. Now, when I was doing my research, checking out checkpoints, that kind of thing, I forgot about that story. Remember they were collecting people's DNA? And there were all those checkpoints a couple years ago? No. All right. So I brought up some of the articles. Now, mind you, a lot of this is like Alex Jones type stuff and whatever. But basically, they set up roadblocks in 60 U.S. cities to harvest DNA samples. Now, it was federal contractors, and they were actually, in some of the cities, paying people to give a sample. So the going rate was $10 for a cheek swab. Mm -hmm. They would pay $50 for blood drawn from the vein. Or... If the drivers refused, they would then offer them a hundred dollars. And this was supposedly in St. Louis. This was happening, so that's like your old How long stomping ago was ground. This? Yeah, I lived in St. Um, Louis. They never, no, nobody nobody ever offered me a hundred bucks for some blood because I'd be um, running through that checkpoint every day. You'd be going back around, <laughs> um, be circling around the block and coming back. I, I'm looking for dates. No, I remember hearing these stories a while back. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking for a date on the article I snagged. Uh, if you're in St. Louis or East St. Louis and you're setting up a checkpoint and you stop a car and you don't get shot in the face, then you should count yourself lucky. I don't know about cheek swabs. Um, they said that the program cost taxpayers $7.9 million for three years, according to NBC News Dallas-Fort Worth. All right. Um, is, you know, one of these. Uh, 30 different cities were confirmed. The St. Louis... Post-Dispatch reports the number as many as 60 communities. 60 communities, huh? Communities. Um, Who was doing this? this they supposedly, police? it's private contractors from the federal government. Uh-huh. It says they wanted to find out all the people surveyed, how many people were driving with alcohol in their system, prescription drugs, and that kind of thing is what they Oh, reported. that's what the blood draws for. That's what it all was for, yeah. Okay. That's according to the St. Clair County Sheriff in Pell City, Alabama. Now, supposedly, not legal, but, well, it's legal to have the checkpoint, yeah. I guess, if you're paying people. You know what I, uh, I read is that it's um, it's not legal to do a uh, to do a drug checkpoint where they search cars with dogs. They Right. They but, can't search your car unless they have probable cause. Right. That's where it, it gets into a... Right. So what they're doing out in the Midwest was 
they were putting up signs saying that there's a drug checkpoint ahead. Okay. Then they would have cars, cop cars parked on the side of the road. And then another mile or so down the street, they'd have a, a rest area. Okay. So if you're smuggling drugs, you drive through and you're like, woo, I made that. And woo! then you pull into the, in, into the rest area and they have just dogs going up and down sniffing cars. And people getting out of their cars. Mm-hmm. Smart. So uh, they're not legally allowed to do drug checkpoints. Well, but if you are smuggling drugs across the country, right? Uh, yeah, don't don't stop. Right. Don't take the, a break the, after the that. The Supreme Court actually ruled that sobriety checkpoints are legal. Are legal, right? And that they're cool with that. So I mean, right. you know, if you if you're in there smoking a joint and they stop you at a sobriety checkpoint, they got a right to search you. But if you have ten pounds of uh, coke in right. the in the trunk. And it's weird. In a lot of jurisdictions, you have to actually ask to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't ask, then it's they're not obligated. I think we talked about a lot of this in better detail. I had better notes in front of me mm-hmm. when uh, we did a podcast a little while back. Mm-hmm. Something about, I don't know, something. Well, now, another checkpoint that is legal Tell is uh, Border Patrol checkpoints. Now, obviously, to get in and out of the country, that makes sense that, you know, you're going you're gonna to be checked going in and out. But they can do it as far as 100 miles away from the border. And I actually was stopped at one of these uh, about two months ago. Okay. Uh, the person I was driving with is, is somewhat in the know in the, uh, in the uh, law enforcement community here. Okay. And he told me that um, there had been chatter. Chatter? Chatter. So they stopped us. I was about... Uh, I, guess about 80 miles from the uh, Canadian border and I was coming back and we saw him on the way up, you know, the day before. And, um, yeah, sure enough, they stopped us, looked in the car, asked us what we were doing, saw that we, I don't know, we both had beards though. I don't know, but they saw they were, we weren't, you know, Arab or, uh, you know, well then, and we weren't chattering apparently. Yeah. So they just, uh, they basically just, uh, asked us what we were doing and waved us through. But, um, you are required to stop at those checkpoints. Okay. Sobriety checkpoints, required to stop. Um, TSA checkpoints coming in and out of the country, required to stop. You don't have to stop for drug checkpoints, but again, they don't actually do drug checkpoints. And if they're shooting you in the leg, I mean, you might want to stop. Yeah. I was putting that out there. And the truth is, I hate to say this, but if you don't have anything to hide... Then you should just stop. Um, not that you shouldn't have something to hide. And if you want to be a smart ass, you can argue with those cops all day. But um, it's not going to end well for you. No, it usually doesn't. Yeah. You might want to have a good lawyer on retainer if yeah. that's your you uh, plan have, of attack. You might want to have him in the back seat of the car. Saying, with a video camera. Yeah. So, um, you know, as far as that sort of stuff goes, uh, regular law enforcement, you know, they're just doing their job. Uh, be a good citizen. There's no reason not to be. Okay. But, um, you know, don't, don't let them push you around either. Sounds good. I don't want to drone on. Um, you know, I want to focus on the right stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to keep you guys happy, excited. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, but last week we mentioned Seabag Locker Coffee. Mm-hmm. Been drinking it all week. I'm loving it. Yep. Yep. Nice way to wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. I've been fueling up every morning on it. Now, I, I feel bad. I think last week I didn't mention that uh, 
you know, I said there were three of them. It was mm-hmm. Don and his wife Penny. Right. And uh, and I can't remember the brewmaster. The brewmaster. Uh huh. I, I don't remember what his name is. But my point is, I didn't mention that Penny was also retired Navy. Oh, she's retired. I thought she was still active. I think she's retired. Don's active. She's a chief. Okay. And I think it might have been a subliminal fear of, I had a female chief in the Navy and Mm -hmm. was a little intimidated. Yeah, I had her too. Oh, yeah. It wasn't the same one, but I know exactly who you're talking (laughs) about. You don't mess with the female chiefs. And and so, you know, I was just a little afraid. It wasn't because I'm mean and don't like women. I'm just saying sometimes, you know, I get scared. Now, what was the, uh, you just brought some coffee over. I brought some today. coffee over, that? so today we, uh, I actually started, I've been drinking the Patriot coffee all week, mm-hmm. and now I've moved into uh, the Alert 5, mm-hmm. and I gotta say, I think this was the uh, superior blend, actually, out of the two. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, I brought you over a bunch, I think you're gonna be well uh, well pleased. Mm-hmm. So, what I think is, I know you guys like to take care of us, you've been doing a lot, and we're really happy lately, you guys are really... Uh, Showing a lot of support. And I would say, you know, support our fellow veterans. I know you guys are drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking coffee. It's not expensive. It's not expensive. You may as well support people you care about. So head over to seabaglockercoffee.com uh, and maybe uh, put a note in the show notes, you know, right? Prepping badass or something to let them know that, you know, you heard about them from us. And uh, maybe they'll put a little love in there. You know who else has been showing us a little bit of love is uh, Seth Spanny. Yeah. Over at Spanny Blades, uh, retrofitted the Jungle Primitive for us. It's really a great looking uh, knife. I actually talked to him uh, the other day. He's okay. very excited to uh, to um, do some work for us and uh, you know send us out that blade. Um, so you can check him out on Facebook. He's really got some uh, interesting custom designs and some uh, some excellent uh, craftsmanship. Does some nice work, and uh, you know that's it. You can't go wrong something like that. Custom knives, his prices seem reasonable. Seems mm. like he knows what he's doing. I know we're happy. Yeah, you're really happy with that knife. So uh, yeah, I've been playing with it all week. All right, I like it. So with that, you guys may want to uh, check us out on Patreon. Another way you can show us a little love. Um, Send us an email. You have any show ideas, anything you want to talk about, learn about. Maybe you want to uh, sponsor something on the show. Maybe you want to uh, be a guest on the show. Maybe we could start looking into something like that. You have any ideas? I've been thinking we really need to kind of expand the uh, prepping community, you know, kind of get people a little more involved. If you have any good ideas on things we can do or ways we can do that, reach out to us on Facebook. Reach out to us at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Otherwise, stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Ooh.